Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Eagles fans? Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. It's your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri kicking off another week of shows, five of them Monday through Friday, downloaded into your phone. When you subscribe to Locked On Eagles on any podcast platform, it could be Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, you name it, we are available on all platforms. Gino, what's up, man? Kicking off. I think I, I would call this the first week of podcast in the dead zone, right? Right. Especially these last couple weeks of May here. I mean, we will get the last batch of OTAs coming up, which we have heard some good bits of information out of a lot of the players and a lot of the coaching staff, which I always like, but you're a hundred percent correct. Like that draft hangovers over like nobody's doing 2022 mock drafts yet like i i i'm not even that crazy but right now it's a perfect time to like look at what we have like where are we as a team Mm -hmm. because we finally answered a lot of those questions and especially with what a lot of the coaches are saying like gannon talking about his system what his philosophies are you could kind of start to formulate what this team is going to be on sundays we kept talking about in at the end of the season january february we're like okay what's the plan like although we don't like a lot of what's happening we got to let everything kind of play out we got to see what happens through free agency in the draft and it's a very different looking team it's a new era this isn't 2016 to 2019 where they're trying to or 2016 to 2020 where they're trying to run back a certain core and try to compete for a championship, Gino. And the team is, again, just very different. You look on offense and defense compared to that 2017 Super Bowl roster. I mean, you have at this point, Roddy McLeod coming back. You've got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett. You've got those four on the defensive side of the football. And then on offense, it's what? The right side of the offensive line. It's Jason Kelsey. It's Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. And so at this point, it is a completely new team, a new coaching staff, new players, and that includes the running back position. We never really mentioned it last week. It kind of went under the radar, but a Super Bowl hero for the Philadelphia Eagles did sign with an NFC East team. Corey Clement signed with the New York Giants, and uh, it's crazy, Gino. Like Corey Clement, you look at his story with Philadelphia, again, a Super Bowl hero. I think he had 100 receiving yards exactly against the New England Patriots in that game. He had a touchdown, one of the craziest touchdowns I've ever seen in football should have had to right and he should have he should have had to if he get him to away. win mvp at plus three thousand to one if if Foles doesn't pull off the philly special i think there's a legitimate chance yeah. especially if clement cuts the other way on that touchdown which he had the complete left side of the field to go there he would have been in the discussion to be the mvp and it's always that guy that's like under the radar like who was the MVP for Seattle when they Malcolm won it? Smith, the linebacker. Malcolm Smith, yes. Guys that they're in the right unit at the right time playing their best football. And I think what you saw from Corey Clement was the embodiment of catching lightning in a bottle. It like was. You, you beat the team, the Vikings, with Case Keenum, who caught lightning in a bottle with their stretch. And then we did the exact same thing the week, uh, two weeks later when we just pulled everything out of the hat. You know what? We haven't featured Corey Clement all year. We're going to give him the ball the majority of the time. Yeah. You know what? We're going to put Nick Foles in a Philly special situation. They just were doing everything the right way. 
And when you're building a team, that's what you want to encapsulate is that 2017 mm-hmm. team, not just the top end talent, not just the quarterback play. It really came down to the depth and the guys that you get in undrafted free agency. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt, we always talk about when he was signed May 20th. Guys like Corey Graham signed in August, for goodness sake. Those guys played instrumental roles on this team, and now how you're doing it, I think you're doing it kind of the same fashion with keeping those veteran presences around who still have juice in their legs. Like You've moved on from the guys that flat out can't play anymore. Like Nigel Bradham, his days were done. We knew that. Mm -hmm. But you look at the guys now, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, these guys are still on that edge of their career where they want to compete. But at the same time, I love everything that those guys have said in their meetings the last couple of days of OTAs saying that now it's their time to usher in this new group of talent who they're going to be teaching the veterans some things as well. well. And I thought Corey Clement, it's kind of interesting, was going to be a part of that. I didn't think he was going to be in the group with Nigel Bradham and with that core Alshon Jeffrey where you're like, they can't play anymore. They're not going to be part of this new core. I thought Mm -hmm. you looked at that 2017 roster, the majority of it on offense and defense was old. They were older veterans. I think they were, if not the oldest team in the league, it was them and the New England Patriots. Ironically enough, Mm -hmm. the two teams in the Super Bowl, but Corey was a rookie at that point, an undrafted free agent running back. And I thought at least at the end of that game, I'm like, okay, LeGarrette Blunt's probably going to be gone. It's Jay Ajayi and it's Corey Clement moving forward. But instead, although it doesn't matter because he gave you that game and that's all to me that matters. I didn't think he was going to be grouped with the Malcolm Smiths or remember (laughs) Jacoby Jones tore up Mm -hmm. the San Francisco 49ers in that Super Bowl back in 2012 or like David Tyree, these Super Bowl heroes that, like you said, caught lightning in a bottle and came out of nowhere. I didn't think Corey was going to be a star running back. I don't think he was going to be as good as he was in that game against New England, but it's crazy to see like he was that he was lightning in a bottle. And then after that, I mean, injuries and maybe just wasn't as good. You know, maybe he was the Travis Fulgham of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, that 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 might be what it was that he was just not as good as we thought. And it was just he played the best football at the perfect time. Or I don't know, injuries had to do with it as well. And, you know, the Eagles went another route with Miles Sanders and they kept bringing back Darren Sproles and Jordan Howards. And he just never really fit into the role I thought he might have became a part of. Yeah, ultimately, I think the injuries kind of killed him as well. Like You could see the explosiveness was, I mean, he was never the fastest yeah. guy in the world, but after 2018, that injury in week three, it was, you could see it was kind of gone. Yeah, he caught the Jay Ajayi. You remember when they signed yeah. Ajayi well, back and it's like, man, this dude cannot run anymore. Like he just can't run. Like that's what happened to Corey because he, he had that first cut upfield explosiveness. He was a bigger back at uh where he came out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin, he wasn't even seen as like a receiving back. It was him and James White was the receiving back then. Yeah, and he he was the guy that they handed the ball off to time and time again. Time again, I don't even think he culminated more than 10 receptions in college. If and I'm then he replaced mistaken. Darren Sproles. Like he yeah. was what they thought Denell Pumphrey was supposed to be that year. And at the time it was bad, but I, I look back at it now and maybe it wasn't so bad. I mean, they made up for the Pumphrey miss with the Clement pick. And exactly Clement, honestly, yeah. that year, it, it, but it's just, again, the Corey Clement story is so weird because like you said, coming out of Wisconsin, you did not see him as, as this dual threat mm-hmm. running back. You didn't see him as a Denell Pumphrey coming out of San Diego state. You didn't see him as the replacement for when Darren Sproles went down early in that year and yet he was and he was in the perfect moment and then Mm -hmm. again it was just gone 
like right after that. It's right. It kind was of such a cool, neat story, but it's it was unique. a unique turn. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it's kind of like, I would say it was the kind of the same evolution as like the lower half of Carson Wentz's body, you know, like the upper half, he could still make the throws, but he wasn't doing things right with his footwork. Yeah. He lost a little gas and you his could torque. tell he lost a step. Yeah. Yeah. And then same thing with Corey Clement. It's like, man, he's just not getting out to the flat quick enough. He's just not hitting the hole quick enough. Like his one thing was his vision and his patience. And it just seemed like he was rushing things because he knew he couldn't make up for it with his explosiveness that he was lacking. And it it comes down to them realizing that running back is such a fragile position when you look at it in terms of how you can improve because you're not seeing the guy's getting drafted first and second overall. I read an article today for my uh, upcoming scout school tonight talking about uh, when Dallas, they drafted one of their high running backs, Tony Dorsett, and the first two picks to go were running backs back to back. And it's like, that doesn't happen anymore. We're trying to find where we can get these guys, the Kenneth Gainwells of the world and the Boston Scots of the world. And even a Miles Sanders who you're not taking in the first round, but years ago, Miles is a first round pick a hundred percent, but it's that part of the game now where how quickly can we replace these guys? And with the supply and demand at running back, you just can't sit on these guys that can't run. And, and they like gave Corey, him a chance. They I mean, did. They gave the him multiple chances. They, they gave, gave him, him extra, multiple contracts. Yeah. yeah, they gave him an extra three years to, I mean, they did bring in Sproles and Sanders and Howard and Boston mm-hmm. Scott. They did keep adding, but they kept bringing Corey back, maybe hoping that he would find that lightning again. But as you saw, he just, he definitely didn't have it. But I'll tell you what, Eagles fans, a number 30 Corey Clement jersey, cool jersey to me to own. Oh, I actually absolutely. have a customized number 30 Clement hoodie. And so I think Corey is he shouldn't have to buy another beer in Philadelphia ever, even though he's still in the NFC East. So props to Corey still for staying in the NFL. And obviously thanks for what he did. He's an Eagles legend forever. Speaking of offensive skill position players, Gino and I are going to get into the current offense coming up next. I want to talk about the potential of this receiving group, tight end and running back. We compare them to like past Eagles eras on offense. We've compared them to other skill position groups around the league in the NFC East, but I want to kind of compare them now to each other. Like who are going to be the most productive guys on this offense and also the most important and impactful. I think there's a difference there and we'll kind of get into that because I think pro football focus kind of sparked this discussion doing something with Dallas Goddard last week that I want to get into. So that's coming up next right here on Lockdown Eagles and guys today's episode of Lockdown Eagles is brought to you by Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you can win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Credit Karma money is brand new. It's a checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma money progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, everybody, welcome back into this Monday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked on Eagles, Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri, joining you 
episode 105 this week, downloaded into your phone when you subscribe, wherever you get LOE. Gino, I don't know if you saw the Pro Football Focus last week, and it kind of was perfect timing because we discussed Zach Ertz and him wanting to be potentially traded or released, and also how Dallas Goddard really impacted the Eagles' decision to be okay with the way things transpired with Zach Ertz. And then PFF, a couple days later, they keep doing these ranking things. It's kind of hot-taking and trying to just spark debate. But I actually was interested in this one. They ranked their top five tight ends, and it went Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. I'm missing the third one, but I know Kyle Pitts was four, and then Dallas Goddard was number five. So Dallas Goddard was seen as a top five tight end. And that was really interesting. And honestly, I don't know if I disagree. I think when it comes to run after the catch ability and blocking, he's got to be top five when it comes to the combo of those two things. And that's what you want now in a tight end. Exactly. And that's why we always had kind of known that Zach Ertz was going to be on his way out. And yep. I think it was evident. Um, I think it was his rookie year, Brian Baldinger, broke down one play that I I actually kind of funny enough tweeted the same clip and then he tweeted the same thing after and Dallas Goddard just he's on a defensive end and he takes this guy like 12 yards upfield and it was like man in his rookie year we're seeing from this. day one you could see that blocking wise and yeah, Zach Ertz Ertz, was not that we always knew he was a liability until it was like third or fourth year once he I would say fourth or fifth like once he got after that first contract and like Brent Selleck was starting to age a little bit and they became really good friends and he he kind of took that on under his wing it took him a while and at the same time even though Zach Ertz is probably one of the best route running tight ends that the league has seen in Easily, quite yeah. some time he he never had that yards after the catchability ever. That was that was Yakerts is his nickname for <laughs> a reason on Philly Twitter. We always joke about that. And Dallas Goddard does that. He's just built for the modern passing game because there's kind of this limitation. Like tight ends were what Zach Ertz is. You know now it's like no, they can be Travis Kelsey and George Kittles and Kyle Pitts. Like we can have that. And I think. Dallas Goddard fits that mold very, very well. Injuries aside, look at what he does on the field. He makes incredible catches in traffic. He runs those seam routes that they love to do, especially in a Jalen Hurts-style offense. They're going to run those seam routes to death. He did that at Oklahoma and Alabama to a T. That is the type of guy you want that can just get him the ball quick, beat the safety that's covering him or even put his head down and run over the safety. Dallas Goddard has done that. And that play he made against Dallas where they called it back for quote unquote offensive passing appearance in 2018 or 19, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. 2018. That really was the first time we're like, man, this kid has a different gear to him. You know, like he just is built differently. And he was kind of that first tight end that I remember being drafted like, okay, he's in that new tier. Like he's not just a blocker. Like he came out of North Dakota state and they had no idea or South Dakota South state, Dakota. excuse me. He would take huge offense. If I said that, yes, you um, would <laughs> go jacks, but he came out of South Dakota state and was just primarily a route runner in his rookie year. You're able to put him on defensive ends one-on-one. I mean, you never want to leave a tight end on a defensive end one-on-one that should never be an offensive coordinator's first move. But when you have a guy like, Gronkowski, for example, if he can get to that, even 80% of what Rob Gronkowski can do in terms Mm -hmm. of blocking, you're going to have a successful guy that can be versatile in multiple different schemes. Because if you're moving to this new high 
fast-paced offense where you're throwing the ball down the field more, who do you want to throw to, Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard? Right, it Zach Ertz, we, reasons to be elite, you know. Yeah, like, Zach exactly. Ertz was elite, but it wasn't Multiple ways to skin style, a cat, as they say. Exactly, and it's not a style of elite at tight end, I guess you could even say. Like, that sounds crazy to not want to pay an elite player regardless of his style. But at tight end, like, if I'm going to pay you like you're a wide receiver one, you have to be able to do things mm-hmm. that a wide receiver one can do after the catch and also blocking-wise. Zacherts was not elite because of his run after the catch ability or because of his blocking. Dallas Goddard, he's on the verge of being elite because of those two traits, and those are the two traits that I want to invest in, like you're talking about, at tight end. It's why teams are paying Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, and it's why mm-hmm. the Eagles didn't want to pay Zacherts because they had a guy like Goddard behind him, and I don't know if Zacherts would even, even if Goddard wasn't in Philly, would they have wanted to give Ertz Kelsey money? I don't even know. I mean, that, I th- yeah, that was the first time I really questioned it because once we once he didn't sign before those two got extensions, yeah, I think it was off the table because once you saw what they got, you knew he was going to want to get something around there, and it's like, man. And we were just coming off at t- end of 2019 where you could see Goddard in that yeah. playoff run. You're like, this guy's coming, and especially it's like, right it's before like he got hurt last year, Jordan Howard. Um, Miles Sanders discussion a yeah. couple years ago when people were like, oh, why are we not signing Jordan Howard? It's like, because we have Miles Sanders. And then and you saw at the end so of the season more. what Sanders did. Yeah, yeah you exactly. You saw the chunk plays. You're like, we're going to get more meat off the bone here. And that was mm. the same thing at the end of 2019 with Goddard. And even last year to start the season against Washington, that first game, eight catches for 100 yards. Mm-hmm. And again, it was the style of plays. Like Ertz, Ertz in his own right was huge in that playoff run in 2019. And he made plays at the beginning of 2022. But again, it was the style and the type of plays. Goddard was catching forty that 40-yard touchdown pass from Carson against Washington. Mm-hmm. And Ertz was catching, you know, five yards, move the sticks first down. But again, it was just stylistically different. And I think that's why PFF, you saw their rankings. You look at all those tight ends, you know, it's that new era of tight end. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. I I keep forgetting the third guy, but I know Kyle Pitts was in there as well. And even though Pitts hasn't played yet, you understand why. Yes, thank you. It was Mark Andrews at number three. And then it was Pitts at four and Goddard at five. And even though it's kind of crazy to put a guy at a top five spot at his position without playing it down yet, Gino, you know why too. You're you were all right. in on Kyle Pitts as I was. A lot of people said he can be an X receiver too. So that's the type of tight end mm-hmm. you want to have. And Philly has it. It's why they're letting a Hall of Famer walk. Yeah, it's almost like when Green Bay drafts Aaron Rodgers and they After have Brett, Brett Favre. Favre. Yeah, yeah. It's or like the okay, Colts now. go right from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck a year later. Yeah, not saying that the these guys are future Hall of Famers. I mean, Zach Ertz very well could be and should be. Dallas Goddard has a chance if he continues to evolve in his playmaking ability but when i look at it age age wise right now skill wise right now how they fit the modern offense right now what they can do in terms of blocking like we're talking about positional skills Mm -hmm. that i've just listed off and if you're going down the list you're checking dallas goddard on every single one i mean you've seen zach Ertz; he's taken injuries like we talk about dallas goddard getting hurt Zach Ertz plays like 14 games a year and he's out one or two games a year. Those injuries build up over time, especially, especially the last two years. He's been especially tight end, man. Like look at Jason Witten. Like he literally is a robot now because his body has broken down so much. Like that type of playmaker gets hurt. Like Kelsey, he's getting the ball more in space and he's not having to get murdered over the middle. Like that old school linebacker, which is still holds a place in the NFL. It's just, you can't, you can't justify paying that money, especially when you're cap locked right now. You have a younger guy who you're going to have to pay. It's just time to 
move on, not from the dead weight, but from the weight that is just kind of holding you back. We were saying in the beginning of the year last year, like get him more reps, get him more reps. Like that's what I want to see now. I'm thrilled to see what they're going to be able to do in this offense with him when he's not having to be the guy because there were games last year when he was our number one wide receiver. Right. People forget that he was the best playmaker on offense multiple games in the first part of the season. And he never year. even got to play in 11 personnel. That was my other thing, Gino, was like he was never out there when mm. things were spread out, right, where he, I think he fits more as that guy. Ertz was always the guy in 11 personnel. When Goddard came in, it was condensed. It was 12, and I'm excited to see the style of offense changes here and see Goddard out there with Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager and Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts running the football, too. It's going to spread things out, and I think you just look at this offense. Again, we did a whole show about the excitement of this offense, even if mm-hmm. It's not turning into wins. They're going to put up points. And coming up next in segment three, I want to get into now, like there isn't a lot of proven ability here outside of Goddard and Sanders, but the potential is there. I want to get into now who are going to be the most productive skill position players for the Eagles in 2021, but also impactful. The impact versus production, I think are two different things. And we'll get into that coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. Lou, the Philadelphia Eagles offense might not be proven, but I'll tell you one thing that is proven. It's Bill Barr. You guys know that they're one of our favorite sponsors here on the show. And did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus their limited time flavors that you could always find on their site, BuiltBar.com. Built Bar has nine flavors that we all know are fantastic. I put them on ice cream, heat them up a little bit, put them in the microwave, two, three seconds, taste delicious. You got the peanut butter brownie. That's perfect if you want to have a healthy My way go-to. to cut some calories and not eat that piece of peanut butter pie. Only five grams of net carbs, 130 calories, 18 grams of protein. Hey, you don't need to eat chicken to get protein. You can have some Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com now and use the promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of Built Bar at BuiltBar.com. To check out any of their nine delicious flavors, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. All right, everybody, Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri, wrapping up this Monday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked on Eagles. Gino, we're talking about skill position players today from the past. Corey Clement signing with the Giants, talking about Dallas Goddard, who PFF ranked as a top five tight end heading into 2021. And that started to get me thinking, and we talked about Miles Sanders a couple weeks ago, and obviously the Eagles drafted Devontae Smith and moved up for him. Jalen Rager is heading into a very huge year too. And it started to get me to think, who is going to be the guy that steps up this year in 2021? Like who is going to lead this team? Like, even though it wasn't a preference, we all knew from 2018 or honestly, I would say even I could go as far back as 2015 after the Eagles lost to Sean Jackson, LaShawn McCoy and Jeremy Macklin, Zach Ertz became the go-to piece on offense. Even when they brought in Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith, and even when Nelson Aguilar took that step in 2019 or 2017, excuse me, and they brought in Deshaun Jackson and they drafted Dallas Goddard, Ertz was still the focal point of the offense. But now that Ertz is likely going to be gone, like Gino, is that going to be Dallas Goddard this year? Or like based on impact, who is going to be the guy that this offense revolves around? Is it Miles Sanders? Like non removing Jalen Hurts from this, obviously. Is it Devontae Smith? Who do you think is the guy that has the most impact based on like what the Eagles do on offense and how defenses react? Because I, I do think, and you probably agree, that it was Ertz for, I would say, what, five, six years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think what you're asking almost almost breaks down to this. It's it's not who is going to get 1,500 yards from right. you. Right, like, it's not I don't who think leads that's... you in, in like numbers. 
it's third and six. I don't know if we're going to run. I need to pick up a man-to-man situation. We're going to Zach Ertz over it's the like middle. It's like when the game's on the line and you time. need a play. Like, who's the defense saying, watch like watch 8-6? Right, Super Bowl, fourth and what, right. two? They go yep. to him in their own territory. And then for the game, game when he touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would say that you would have to believe that they're going to give Devontae every chance to be that guy for them. And right away, too. I, I don't think they'll shy away. When you look at terms of getting the ball down the field, winning those one-on-one matchups. I think he's the most suited for that. His release is the best out of any of the candidates possible. When we talk about, let's say we just need to put the ball in space and pick up some yards. I mean, you have a whole collection of guys. I think it's going to be very committee based in a lot of different aspects, but the one that you can rely on, I would say Devante and Dallas Goddard right now, and then Mm -hmm. maybe even miles a little bit in leverage situations if his hands can get back to normal those three individuals we have we know can win men on man matchups right. like Jalen Rager is still a question all the other wide receivers still have questions Travis Fulgham we have to see he would probably be the best candidate out of all of them what can he do though maybe even Boston Scott you throw in there in like a like an anecdotal type of if guy. Playing, like, if he's playing the New York Giants, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like somebody that like, oh man, like we got to change it up here. We just need to get a pig first down on third and three. Like who can we flip it out to? Give it to Boston. But one-on-one, I'm saying like 1A, 1B, Devontae Smith, Dallas yeah. Goddard. And Devontae Smith is going to be the one that has an impact on all different parts of the game. They haven't had a wide receiver like Devontae that if you need to play down the field, he can get you mm-hmm. that. If you need him to line up in the slot and get hit like Dallas Goddard did, like he's going to be able to do that too and win one-on-one matchups. So impact-wise, I agree with you as do listeners. I put this to a poll last week, and you can vote still at Lockdown Birds. Devontae won the vote at 44.1%, and then it was a big drop-off. It was Miles Sanders second at 41.2, and then Dallas Goddard got 8.8% of the votes, and then Jalen Rager at 59 So I'm with you that through the air, it's definitely Smith and Goddard. Sanders, I think production-wise, like if we're talking stats, like who's going to be the guy that they haven't really had any players outside of Sanders in 2019 that have hit 1,200 yards or more from scrimmage. Mm -hmm. It was Macklin in 2014. It was Deshaun in 2013 and LaShawn McCoy as well. But so I think Sanders is going to get back to that as long as he can rebound in the receiving game. Like I think stat-wise, Miles Sanders is probably going to lead you in the box score a lot of the time, especially with scrimmage yards, because I do think he'll bounce back. I think when it comes down, because... Sanders was one of the best receiving backs in 2019. He was one of the worst in 2020. I think he's like, when you talk about which was the outlier, who is Sanders more as a receiver? To me, it's definitely 2019. But again, impact and production is different. And impact on this offense, I'm with you that maybe early on it's Goddard like it was at the end of 2019. But I think the stretch of the season, you're going to see it's Devontae Smith. Kind of like last year it was, although Jalen Rager gets a bad rap, and especially compared to the other rookie receivers. But, you know, I, I think Rager, honestly, throughout the majority of the season proved he was the most reliable guy they had at wide receiver. I mean, Fulgham with that five-game stretch. But throughout the year, like, you never saw Rager blow up. But you did. He always made consistently each game he played. He was making a few big plays or, or, you know, move the chains on third down every week. And so it'll be interesting to see too, how he's kind of, how he fits in here now that they have other guys to maybe, you know, do that role with Goddard and Devante. Especially when you look at how Indy, their statistics after any season, it's kind of like that committee approach. I mean, you're going to have a ton of guys with like six, seven, 800 yards each, 
right. then you're going to have that all-purpose back and Miles who's going to get 1,600 mm-hmm. yards from scrimmage minimum. Like, I mean, you could cash a check on that all day long. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because we, we talk about it. Like, Jalen Rager, he has a special skill set in space, and you can't take that away from him. But at the same time, when you need a 50-50 ball, you're going to Devontae. Oh, we need a, a big chunk play here on the ground from screen. Let's go to any of the five guys who run a 4-3-5 on our team. Like, Miles Sanders still has that ability to do that. He has the most 70-yard runs in history. They're going to have guys for the first time in a long time where they could change it up, and they're not going to be like, okay, this play is going to Zach Ertz. Let me ask you before we wrap up the show with Jalen Rager, like if what we're talking about happens and Devontae Smith becomes that wide receiver one, that Mm go-to guy in big moments, and he is the most impactful player on this offense, like Zach Ertz was, where defenses say they're going to him in big spots, right? And and Dallas Goddard becomes that top five tight end that PFF is ranking him as, and Miles Sanders gets back to where he was in 2019. Let's say Jalen Rager is that fourth option on offense, right? And he's your, I would say like in 2017, he's your Nelson Aguilar. And and he does step up like Aguilar did that year, just that year where he's like your deep threat in the slot and he's making those big plays down the field. Is that enough for you based on where they took him in 2020 in the first round and what they expected him to be? Like if that is all he is, he's like a Nelson Aguilar in 2017, but consistently throughout his career where he's getting you know, 750 yards and six touchdowns, but there's a lot of them in chunk situations, like chunk yardage, explosive plays. Will that be enough to justify the pick? I do wonder now that he's not supposed to be wide receiver one, how people will look at that pick. It's kind of like Aguilar. Like, do people consider Aguilar a bust in 2015 because he wasn't a wide receiver one? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but he did get us nine catches in the Super Bowl and he was our best deep threat in a title year. It's an interesting discussion. And I kind of, I kind of see that coming with Rager. Maybe I think you saw just a little bit more out of Jalen Rager's ability at the X position last year. Like mm-hmm. they did allow him to go up and get 50, 50 balls. Like that's one thing he did very well at TCU. Yes, he did. I don't think Nelson ever really did that. Like right. he was more of a guy that had to play in space out of necessity. Like Jalen, they had, they thought for a while could win those matchups and, hey, he could take a big leap too and now just dominate second cornerbacks, which would be a fantastic thing. And we all know that Devontae Smith is the answer at cornerback or wide receiver one, not quarterback one, excuse me. So what are you going to do? Just force Jalen Rager at that first receiver position? No, you're going to play to his strengths. And you look at a guy like Paris Campbell, like I I think you could do a lot of similar things with Jalen to that extent. But at the same time, you could do a lot of the things that T.Y. did with Jalen Rager. Like, T.Y. could go up and get the ball in those 50-50 catch situations. And he's a guy that has strong hands, and Jalen has that. He's a guy that has those claw machine hands. So you to say that it would be bad for that to be his case, I wouldn't say at all. I mean, Yeah, the, it's just interesting based on, like, because people in the first round, like, you know, teams take players for certain roles to be certain things, mm-hmm. right? 2015 change man i mean no, we're in a for sure coaching staff i like, just wonder if like they'll different. say because he they had to draft Devontae the next year and let's say he's like the macklin to a deshaun or you know he's always in that 700 to 800 yard category and maybe it's because like you said earlier it's a committee thing and you just like the eagles in 2017 to 2019 they never had a guy over a thousand yards because there were so many different targets Wentz was going to and they spread the ball around i just wonder how people will will look at Rager now that he's not supposed to be that guy. And if he fits more in this role again, like when Doug finally just moved Nelly in the slot and he was, they accepted he's a wide receiver three. 
it worked out better. I just, I wonder how people will view it. I think the Eagles will be okay with it. I still think they'll justify it because, you know, even when you go back to 2020, I don't know if they were drafting him to be like their Devontae Smith or their wide receiver one. I think they were so in this tunnel of speed, get mm-hmm. speed, get this certain type of player for Carson Wentz that they weren't really thinking about who's just going to be the best receiver overall down the road. Are we looking for a wide receiver one? I don't know if that's what they were even thinking anyway with the Rager. I don't know if that was the motivation because if it was, then at that point you probably take Justin Jefferson. So even with the Eagles, I think this is what they wanted him to be anyway. I believe that too. And ultimately having athletes on the team isn't a bad thing. And Nick Sariani is a guy who has gotten the best out of a lot of guys who aren't the most skilled, but have good quality athleticism. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do with him at that position. And Hey, if he was drafted to be your Z guy, Sean Jackson was a Z receiver for a majority of the beginning they went back of his back career. So. In those drafts, right. They went to Sean in round two in 20 in 2008 and Macklin in 2009. So it is kind of the same thing here to a certain extent. I, I'm not going to hate that at all. If that's what would happen. And to, between as long Devante as Devontae and, works out right because right. if Devontae doesn't then you're like well Rager did you well that's not up? we're not even putting that into the oh, space-time <laughs> continuum right now like that isn't even a reality I'm taking part in absolutely it's going to be exciting though man there is so much potential in this offense and again I mean we're in the dead zone right now but you know the NFL season is going to come very quick before you know it we're oh, going to yeah. have training camp and the football season will be coming soon and we've got you covered right here five days a week even through the dead zone on your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast locked on Eagles be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow us on Twitter as well we're always talking birds after the show at locked on birds at GC 24 underscore football and at DBLC L-O-E. For my co-host, Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. We'll see you tomorrow. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.